0: See it like you really mean it. I don't think you really meant it either. One, two, three. Anything is possible, anything is possible if you want God to see it happen. Look at your name and say, God has to work through you. Are you willing? You see, anything is possible with God, but you have to want God and you've got to give God the room to work. If you give God the work, work, He'll work and He'll work His marvelous work. But you got to do your part. Look at your neighbor. Say you got to do your part. You're gonna talk to your neighbor today. Tell tell your neighbor, I'm gonna give you ten bucks after the service. God, just tell you that. (laughs) The other neighbor says, Can I have (laughs) twenty? Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Are you glad you're here? Well, give God some praise one more time because it's good. Amen, amen. So good to see Sister Irene here this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, God is a God of a breakthrough. You know, the song is more than a song. It is a reality of who God is. But do you, are you willing to believe God? Are you willing to believe, God, when the storms and when the water is coming in the boat and the storms are facing you and it's tough? Are you willing to say, God, you are the God of the breakthrough. You're with me. You're in me. You're around me. Your promises are true. That's what we need to do. That's when you start walking on water because you know who your God is. Now, when things are tough and things are hard, that's when the real faith comes out that's when you really know what you believe it's just not what's up here it's when you apply what's in the soul amen amen look at your neighbor shake their hand say i'm so glad you're here i'll get the 10 tell them i'll get the 10 bucks later (laughs) praise the lord you're going to collect praise the lord amen amen well, we're going to, we, we, I'm so glad you're all here. We have a really um, a, a great moment together in the Lord today. We're continuing our series on Who's Your One? And I'm going to pray that you are working on that one, you're talking to that one, you're building that relationship with that one. And hopefully next week, hopefully next week, we're going to have a celebration after service outside, rain permitting. If not, we're going to shoot for the 15th but we'll see, but if you can, invite that one to come and join you. And uh, if everybody does one, oh, there'll be one great day. Amen. But that being said, um, we're on part two and then we'll have part three. And I want you to work on that one, that one that you care about, the one you'll have all year long until the rest of this year. And then when you have an opportunity to invite them, invite them. People are so busy today. They're so busy, they think, that they have no time for church, but they have time for everything else. There's consequences to those things because He's a God. Either the Lord is Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. You can't have both. And so I just want people to be all in because I want the favor and the blessings of God to be on the people of God. Can you say amen to that? I mean, how many want the blessings and favor of God to be on you? Come on, huh? Man, it's so good. The joy of the Lord is mine. The joy of the Lord is mine. Come on, let's build up those spiritual muscles as we go into praise and lift up our God. Amen? Amen. Father, we are grateful for who you are. You are marvelous in all your ways. God, we just ask as we worship you in spirit and truth, will you touch our hearts and bring us ever so close to you, to believe you, to walk in you, and to honor and glorify your name, Lord. Not just as we just say a song. Lord, as we worship you in that song, because you are worthy of all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Let's lift the praise to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How are you? I think you look great. I think you all look great. Smile a little bit more. Good. A little bit more, a little bit more. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it's good. Today, I want to challenge you, though, on who's your one. And if you look on the screen... The title is Destination Eternity. Think about that for a second. Destination Eternity. Let me get this. Last week I went fishing. I went fishing at church. A lot of times people go fishing, they don't go to church. Oh, Pastor, I went fishing. Mm-mm. You ought not to tell Pastor you went fishing on a Sunday. That's just wrong. God needs to be first. And I hope you, go, and I, those people who go fishing on a Sunday and they avoid church and they put fishing first, I pray God gives you the biggest fish in the world that you ever catch and then it breaks right at the boat. <laughs> Some people call that a catch, but uh, nevertheless, put God first, amen? amen? Well, I went fishing last week and I caught, I caught my best Ever my PB, I got my personal best, 230 pound fish, huh? Huh? In church, in church. I mean, I, I fought and I fought and I brought him in, Ooh, and the drag went out. Wait a minute, drag went out. It was zinging, it was singing. The real and the reality, the reason why I caught the fish, is because I put my pole in the water. People say I want to go fishing, but if they have a pole and it stays right here, and they sit in a chair and they watch the birds, did they go fishing? Now, just because you have a pole in your hand doesn't mean you're going fishing. It doesn't mean if it's just even if you have a tackle box full of stuff, it doesn't mean you're going fishing. Going fishing means you actually take your pole and whatever on the end of your pole. Look at this fish, huh? Huh? How many ever caught a fish this small? True story. This is a true story. This is an embarrassing story, but yay, Paula. We, uh, I was in Missouri, and I decided to go to Bass Pro Lodge and take some R&R, and you could rent out boats. And I said to my beloved wife, honey, I'd like to get a guide to come on boat so we can get some really good fish. She says, honey, we're out for R&R. Do you want some stranger to be on the boat with us Or do you just want you and me to enjoy the day? What I wanted to say was, "No, honey, I like to get a guide on the boat because I don't know this lake and I want to catch some big fish." But I said the right thing. I said, "Honey, you are so right. This is our time. Forget about the fish." And and I went to be fisherman of Ozark Lake, which is a very deep lake. And um, I fished. This is exactly what I caught that size. This is what I caught. Even Paula caught a bigger fish than me. Not much, Not much but, even, but this is exactly, I caught a fish this small. My lure was twice as big as him, and this is what popped on, and I said, and I was a little discouraged, but I got over it real quick. Someone say, praise the Lord. Someone say, good for you, Pastor. <laughs> Well, the story wasn't over because I went back in. I brought the little boat back in, and all of the guides were in. All of them were in. And there on the dock was six and seven and some eight-pound bass lined up with this crop. I mean, the dock was loaded with all the fish they caught. And I looked at all of the fish, and she said to me, As my chin was dragging the ground, she said to me, Honey, are you sorry you didn't get a guide? And I said the right thing, yes. (laughs) (laughs) True story, true story. So last week, we talked about the fishing, and this was the portion of Scripture we talked about. This was when Jesus comes upon Peter And John and Andrew, Peter and John, James and John, James and John and Peter and Andrew. And he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately both of them left everything to follow Jesus. James and John left their father. They left the closest relationship they have. The father back then, that's very important. And then you have Peter and you have Andrew leaving their occupation. They're leaving everything. Now, I say that to you to tell you this, is that God has called us to be fishers of men, fishers of soul. We don't, we're not just here to, to just make a living. We're here to make a difference, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to make a difference, not just a living. We all need to make a living, but we want to make a difference. That's what's powerful, to be fishers of souls. And so if you're going to take your vessel, you need to put your vessel in the place where people are. It's important. Just like if you went fishing, you have to put your fishing pole. You can go fishing, and I tell people all the time, and they say, they, they're good fishermen. I said, no, they're not so much a good fisherman. They know where to fish. Because you can have all this water and stuff, and just because you're in a boat and you have the best of equipment doesn't mean you're going to bring fish in the boat. You have to know where the fish are to catch the fish. And then you need to know what you need to put on the end of your line to catch the fish. And so I want you to get this because these are disciples now that have followed the Lord because they have willing hearts. And then God tells them, I want you to reproduce spiritually. I want you to make disciples and I want you to be obedient to follow me, even when I don't give you all the answers. Oh, did you hear that one? Let me share a story. How many of you ever watch Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland. How many of you raise your hand? Okay, okay. How many of you remember the part where Alice is lost and she comes to a point and it has signs all over the places of where she can go, so many places, so many roads? And then this mysterious cat shows up. And she says, she says, I'm lost. And which way should I go? And the cat says, well, that determines on where you want to go. And she says something so profound. She says, I don't care where I go. And then the cat says, then it doesn't make a difference where you turn. I want you to get this. If you don't know where you want to go in life, if you don't have a destination, if you don't have a road, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up at a destination that you don't want to be because you do not see clearly of where you are. Just like Alice, she said, well, I don't know where to turn, but I don't care where I turn. And the cat answered, so right, then it doesn't matter, does it? I want you to know today that we're about to talk about a parable that's powerful, a parable that leads all of us on a destination. It's a parable of two hearts. It's a parable that tells us that God has a path for us. One of my favorite scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Then it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, for this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your soul, to your bones. That's a promise. God says he'll direct you on the path. Now, I want you to get this. God has a plan. Look at someone next to you and say, God has a plan. God's given you a Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. If you want to know the author, you have to read the book. The Bible talks more uh, so much about hell And heaven and hell and heaven are a real place right now there's people in heaven and there's people in hell There's people who are rejoicing and people are regretting of decisions They made while they were on earth You see we live this earth and we focus so much about what we want and it's all about us and we forget about We're accountable to one hello the audience of one we're accountable and what we do here will make all the difference What happens there? And so I want you to understand that God has a heart for you. God loves you. And if someone has not told you that in a long, long time, I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. I want those watching online, I want you to know, maybe you haven't heard this from anybody, but God so loves you. You're important. You have value. Look at this, the plan of God, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, but his patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That is the plan of God, that God has a plan that you can get right with God through repentance. I want you to understand that in the plan, God gives a sacrifice. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's The sacrifice. God has the plan for you, the plan of redemption. He gave you the sacrifice, and here's the big one. You also have the choice. The plan that God has is a choice. Matthew 7, 13, 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. I want you to get this. This is important because we're about to take a journey. And as we start talking about who's your one, I need you to have a heart for your one. I need you to realize that we play around with life so loosely, so lightly. and, And so many people don't even see the value of what life really has. Life is a gift. Tell your neighbor, life is a gift. And so often we abuse the gift. there's always consequences for that. Let me share something with you here. Let me go get this for one second. How many of you, not many, I bet you, but how many of you read the morning paper today? (laughs) Paper, what's that? It's funny, but I can teach you something from this piece of paper. I can teach you something about when you do what's right, There's blessings, and God says he will direct your path. If you do it God's way, God promises to direct your path. He will make your path straight. He will help you. He will be there. And Because when you take this piece of paper, watch this. No scissors. I'm going to take a piece of paper. And every single time, I'll even take this small one. Cut straight line every single time. Every single time I take this piece of paper, it will be straight. And when you follow God, when you follow God, it will happen. Oh yeah. Whoa. Oh, let's, oh. Oh my. Oh, can I do it? Oh, I can't do that one. I, I pushed it. Fast speed. Let's try this side. It cuts straight every single time. That's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens when you follow the ways of the Lord. It cuts straight. However, we as human beings don't want to do it God's way. We want to do things differently. So we decide to say, oh, okay, I'm going to do this way. And so we try to do this. It always works wrong. Why is that? But if you do it God's way, God will always help you in be straight to what you need to do. Why? Why? Because God has ways and rules. And not rules, but principles. And if you follow God, God will lead you on the straight path. But if you decide to do your own thing, you're going to go astray. So why is that, Pastor? Why is that happening? Well, it's very simple. It's very simple. It's the way they made the paper. It's the same way that God made you. When they made the paper, they put all the grains going this way. So it ripped straight. But when you go across the grain, it goes crooked because it was not meant to that way. The same thing, you were meant for relationship with God. You were meant to, God gave you lines in a parking lot. I love people who just don't love park, don't like to park in the lines. They just want to park any way they want. You know, it's sort of like, I want, my, I want to be free. I want my own path. I don't want you telling me what to do. That's what I hear all the time. Don't tell me what to do. Well, all that sass and all that sarsaparilla. Don't tell me what to do but the problem is if you go in a parking lot and you park the way you want and you're a happy camper and everybody else does that when you come out during the christmas time at the mall you're not going home because someone else parked the way they wanted and they blocked you in now all of a sudden all this free spirit thing doesn't work very well then you get to feel like oh those lines do have a purpose don't they god has a purpose for you and he has a path for you but if you get off the path there is consequences so let's take a journey of two hearts. Let's take a journey of destination eternity. Let's look at Luke chapter 16. Verse 19 says this, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, as we get into this, I want you to think about your one as you're going to start to invite and care for them and just befriend them and help them. Help them, share with them. Be light and salt to someone. It's important. The name Lazarus actually is a Hebrew word that comes from the root word Eliezer. That's where Lazarus comes from. And it's interesting that it means God has helped. When you look at the story, At the end, you realize God did help Lazarus. Lazarus. So, that being said, let's look at this for a second. God's description of two hearts here. We see a rich man and we see a poor man. Now, the rich man was rich and the poor man was poor. The rich man had fine clothes, but the poor man was in ragged clothes. Not only that, but dogs were licking his sores and the king... And this man lived outside of uh, the king's palace. He just was begging. And if he's begging, it probably had some type of physical disorder. that why he was begging. What was even worse of the description was a dog. You know, dogs were not looked at like we look at dogs today. Today, we look at the dogs today and every... How many of you have a dog? Raise your hand. You have a dog. How many of you have a dog you actually like? You actually like this dog. Okay. Yeah, I like my buddy. Uh, just last night, tell you a little story, just last night I hear my dog going crazy in my backyard, really crazy. And I knew two things: either somebody's in my backyard or something's in my backyard. So I come out and I hear this thing hissing at my, my dog, and my dog's trying to attack it. So I'm like, "Oh my. So I said, what is? He, what is it? Is it? A, I didn't know what it was exactly. So I go get my flashlight Ugh, of all things that my dog wants to attack. A skunk. And I'm telling my dog, get away from him. He said, I want him. I'm like, you don't care what you want. You listen to me. Because you're sleeping outside. So he didn't get sprayed, but he was, like, within two feet of growling at him and snapping at him. And the poor, the poor thing was, sh- the poor squirrel was shaking his feet there and ready to t- skunk. Yeah. What did I say, squirrel? I let him have a squirrel. <laughs> But I'm just, I'm just saying that it's important you have to say dogs were not looked at as good. They were terrible, mangy, full of fleas, and, and, and that type of thing. And some of you feel that way when you see a dog. Get away from you. you know, I don't want to know who you are. <laughs> but nevertheless, not only that, but he's licking the sores. It makes the picture even worse where this whole thing was going. So I want you to know that the rich man had been dis- discarded. Nobody's paying attention to him. Especially the king, but here's the thing: the king forgot about what the scripture says all through the Old Testament. I took just the book of Proverbs. I've been in the book of Proverbs quite a bit lately, and I took just Proverbs. What does Proverbs say about the poor? Let me just give you a few. Proverbs 14:21 says, "He who despises his neighbors, he who despises his neighbors sins, but blesses he who is kind to the needy." He who uh, Proverbs 19:17, "He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord." and he will reward him for what he has done. Proverbs 21, 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. This is in the Old Testament. This is just Proverbs, but that's just one book, not to mention all the other books. God's very much about taking care of those who are in need. But this king who had all the luxuries, that had no time, had no time. It was all probably about him and his kingdom and his people. Not caring about another person. Look at that low life. That's what people say. So wrong. That person who's in a different area of life right now is still valued in God's eyes. Someone say amen. amen. Everybody has value in God's eyes. I don't care what they've done or who they are. They still have value problem is, some people will let you help them and some people won't let you help them. That's a different story. You see, you and I need to know that God's description here is about two hearts that, about eternal destiny. Two hearts, eternal destiny. Look what it says in verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, Where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. I want you to understand something. This is important for you to know that when a person dies, they retain their memory. I want you to understand something, that life continues so when a person dies, it doesn't just die. And, I mean, it's a continuation, okay? I want you to understand that heaven and hell is very real, very real. People want to believe that, you know, they're just going to put you in a box? Go ahead, that's your belief. But when you don't find the box coming, it's too late to change your mind. Make sure what your belief is worth dying for because you will be dying in that belief. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And that's what the the, the Hebrew actually talks about. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I want you to get this now. When the poor man died, angels came and got him. And when the rich man died, it just says he was buried. We'll talk more about that in a second. But for the rich man, he's in a whole different place than the poor man. Here's Lazarus. The angels come and get him, and Lazarus goes into a beautiful place called Abraham's bosom. It's a picture of, they, they named it this because it's a picture back in those days when they would have a meal, they would lean on the chest of the person at the table. What that meant was, that meant safety, secure, and trust. It was a place of honor when someone would allow you to lean against them while you ate. John the Apostle did it with Jesus during a meal. He was leaning on the bosom of uh, Jesus while they ate, the, the Bible tells us. I want you to understand something, that God has a plan, and that plan is for people to spend eternity with him. But if people don't want to spend eternity, and they say, no, I want nothing to do with love, mercy, grace, forgiveness then God says, here's the free gift. If you don't want to receive it, then okay. But just remember, your choice today is your result tomorrow. Amen? All right. I want you to listen to this scripture. This scripture is powerful. Hello? Who is it? Psalms 73. Psalms 73, 23. Look what it says. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you take me home to glory. Do you see the process? This is the psalmist describing exactly what takes place. Yet I am always with you, God says. I am always with you. Then he says, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel during life, and afterwards you take me home into glory. I want you to get this. God has a plan for eternity. The parable here that we're talking about actually uses a name which most people believe that it's real it's a real story that Jesus is sharing most parable will be a merchant a farmer a person uh you know some generic name but not this one this is the only time in scripture that people that Jesus mentions a name that's the only time that's the only time So we have nine parables in the Old Testament, and we have about 38 in the New Testament. How many parables in the Old Testament? Very good. How many we have in the New Testament? 38, about 38 parables. And one of these parables is Jesus is using a person's name, giving an indication that he's talking about a real story. So while we're in comfort right now, there's a a man who was a king who's in much discomfort. And we're going to see exactly what this conference is all about. Because as you recognize this, that when we talk about the agony he's about to describe, it's really, really, God did not place them there. I want you to get that. People say, why did God put people in hell? God don't put nobody in hell. What did we talk about in 2 Peter? He wishes all would come to repentance. It is a choice that people make. God created you volitional. That means you have a choice to do things. You're volitional. You choose. God did not make you robots. Though God is sovereign and rules over all, in his character of who he is, he put the aspect of you being volitional, meaning you make your choice. You choose. Let me put it this way. Would you want to pay people to be your friend or do you want people to be your friend because they love you? Come on now. Anybody here that rightly says, yeah, I want to pay someone to be my friend, really is never going to get real friendship. Because friendship is all about the heart. And what I say about Jesus, Jesus is all about the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Amen? So that being being the case, I want you to look at these two people and look what happens here. Listen to the rich man's words of regret. The rich man cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now, I want you to get something here. He didn't ask for a glass of water. He didn't ask for a gallon of water. He didn't ask for a pint of water. He asked for what? One drop. One little tiny. And it just that drop, just that drop, you can see the agony, just a drop, was going to bring him such a satisfaction for a very short period of time. I want you to also notice that he doesn't pay attention to Lazarus when he was at his gate, had no time for him. Isn't it amazing how he notices him there? Now, isn't also asking him to be, can you tell him, here's the king, trying to order people, tell Lazarus to come give me a drop? I don't think there's much change in the king. He's still looking at Lazarus now is still being like a slave type of thing. He wanted him to bring him a drop of water to put on his tongue. I don't know about you, but I want you to kind of get this. The poor man didn't go to heaven because he was poor. And the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. It was a heart problem. It's always a heart problem. God's always about the heart. It doesn't matter how much you own. It's what you're going to do with what you own. Because whether you've got a person who's poor and has very little and they're stingy, or you have a person who has much and they're stingy, they're both stingy according to where they're at. There's no difference, because it's a heart problem. I come up with a little H, H4G. It'd be a great shirt, H4G. What does H4G equal? It equals heart for, hearts for God. And I want to ask you a question. If you were a shirt that said H4G, how much, what percentage of heart for God would you be? Could you imagine if we all wore a shirt, H4G, H4G and, and had our percentage, God would give us a percentage of what we love him at? I think about that often. I said, God, I know I love you, but what percentage am I living my life for you? What percentage, God? What? Not what I think, but, Lord, what do you think? That's why I always say live for an audience of one. Who are you trying to impress? I'm not really trying to impress anybody, to tell you the truth. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they have. People are people. They all put their pants on one leg at a time. It's all about hearts. And God's, God wants your heart. The God of all creation doesn't care about all the stuff. He just cares about you. Isn't that awesome? Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. He's worthy of praise. So here's, here's this individual, just he's in torment, and he sees, he sees Abraham, and he sees Lazarus, and he, he's in great torment. And I want you to get this. Now, you have to understand that in hell at that time, there was a, a sort of like a separation. You had the part, we could call it the air-conditioned part. It was a glory part. It was a good part. In the middle was a gulf, and on the other side was torturous. It was separated. Because it was a holding, this was holding over here until Jesus Christ could come to redeem everybody. That's what the whole part was. One part was called paradise, which is Abraham's bosom, and the other place was called shoal, hell. And so I want you to get this. This is important because the people who were over in this part of hell waiting for Jesus to get. To redeem mankind, we see this in Ephesians 4, 8. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended, because Jesus went into into the earth for three days, the Bible tells us. Ephesians 4 says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and then gave gifts unto men. Led captivity, those in paradise, and took them to heaven. Captive, because he had the keys. He defeated death, sin, and grave. Watch this. Revelation one eighteen. It says this: I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Watch this now. And then he says, and I hold the keys. I hold the keys of death and hell, Hades. God created. God defeated the devil when he rose from the dead. God defeated the devil. That's why we have such a powerful testimony of the goodness and greatness of God. Revelation one eighteen tells us again, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. You see, I want you to get this. The words of regret that come from this man is kind of starting to see a little bit here in verse 24. The rich man is crying and, and, and saying, have mercy on me. He's asking for mercy, but did he have mercy on Lazarus? It's funny how people want mercy, but they don't give mercy. They want grace, but they don't give grace. But when they find themselves in a situation, they're expecting people to have grace and mercy on them. The Bible says what you sow you. That's why it's important to understand that freely we receive, freely we You see the difference? It's not enough just to know what God's word says. It's about doing the word of the Lord. It's so important. But Abraham replied, son... Remember that in your lifetime you received good things and while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is in comfort here and you are in agony. I I want you to kind of understand this this process here. There's an eternal switch. The person who was now rich is now poor in spirit and the person who's poor is now rich. The person who once was in comfort is now in torture the person who was in misery and now is in major comfort it's called an eternal switch you know when lazarus died i don't think there was any funeral for him they mainly take poor people that are beggars and stuff like this and they there was a piece of land that they would go to and it was it was just not very good but i probably when the king died there was a lot of hoopla they probably put them out they had a lot hoopla because the king died But you know something, he had pallbearers, uh, Lazarus had pallbearers for his funeral. Angels took him right up there. I'm going to tell you something, you belong to God, when that moment comes, you can guarantee angels are going to come to get the property of God, because you're his. But if you're not a property of God, the grim reaper is going to come, all hell is going to come for you, and just take you right to the dominion there. See, you're a property of God. You've been redeemed. That's why the word redeem is so important. If you haven't been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then, then you are still have the curse of sin all over you. That's what Jesus is. Jesus takes the curse away. Thank God for the redemption of Jesus Christ. We, we take it for granted. We, we, just, we live our lives so focused on so little things, but one day all these little things are going to be gone. And then... Everything's going, to be, everything's going to be before us. And that's why I made it my whole life mission to share, whether people listen or not. I don't want to be guilty when I stand before God one day and say, he says to me, Brian, why didn't you warn them? Why didn't you be a watchman on the wall? I don't want that on my head. My responsibility where a person likes me or not, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to proclaim it from a corner on the street or proclaim it wherever I go, but Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming, but I want you to be ready, and I want you on the right road so that heaven's your home. Because God has done so much to love you and so much to get your attention and so much to say, listen, I have a better way. Look at you and say he has a better way. (laughs) You see, the king had choices. The king had all the authority and power. He had choices of what he could have done with it. The king could have lived for God and acknowledged his creator. The king could have helped out Lazarus and really put him on a new road, but he chose not to because usually people are so focused on themselves and not thinking about somebody else. They're not caring about their neighbor. They're just all in it. What What about me is what I hear all the time. And yet the whole scripture always talks about others, isn't it amazing that you can't find anything that Jesus really did for himself? Everything he did was for others. That's why I think it's so important when we look at destination eternity, we need to live our life with a perspective of eternity in our mind, everything that we do. There's nothing wrong with the stuff on this world. God, God gave it to you to enjoy. Someone say, praise the Lord. I enjoy being in a nice boat flying across a lake or an ocean. I love it. That's why I lose all my hair. Blows right off. I found the solution, though. Wear a hat. And then that blows off. See, there's a lot of good things that we can enjoy in life. But never lose the real perspective of why we're here. God wants you to enjoy the journey. Amen? Amen. Come on now. All of you want to enjoy the journey. You know so. Yeah, he does. He wants you to enjoy the journey, but the problem is with so much enjoying the journey, sometimes we have no room for him. Like he's not important. That's why I always say love does. So this king had plenty of opportunity to do something for Lazarus, but he did it. But now, now he wants Lazarus to say, hey, help me. I'm in agony now. I need you to help me. Look what it says in verse 20. This is the the portion of Scripture that's going to talk about the divide. Abraham says, And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, unmovable, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So he explains to the king... That this is a separation. It's a, it's a, it was a, in the middle of it all was fixed. It was the word itself means unmovable, it's strong, designed with a given purpose. That's what the mean, the word means. So both are forever separated. They're never gonna see each other, get in contact with each other. It's two different things. This place was a holding point, waiting for the redemption of what Christ did for us, redeeming all mankind. And so they went to the We call it, as a joke, the air-conditioned joyous part, comfort part, Abraham's bosom. Look at verse 27. He answered, watch what happens here. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Oh, he turned into an evangelist in hell. There's no evangelist in hell. When you come to that moment, and if you don't come to the moment while you're living, I'm sorry. Because you only have one life to make a difference for Jesus. And if the light comes on after the fact, it's too late. And so all of a sudden now, he's concerned for his family that they don't come to this place. I want you to understand, the first thing, he wants Lazarus for a drop of water. Now he wants Lazarus. He wants Lazarus to rise from the dead to be a spokesman. He's being creative. Send Lazarus to my house of warn my brothers. I don't want my brothers to come in this torment. The rich man now has a spiritual burden. Think about this. How many people have said no to God, then he finally meet God, or meet judgment, and waiting for judgment, really, and all of a sudden they have so much regret. So much regret. I love the story. One of my favorite stories is the story when, when Jesus died between two thieves. And the story that I love is when Jesus looked over to the one that said, Father, uh, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your paradise. Remember when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise. It takes a moment from a heart, someone say from the heart, to get right from God. And I thank God for God's grace and God's mercy, but not everybody has that chance. People say, well, I'll just wait for the last moment. You don't know if you're going to have a last moment. Where I come from and where I have to deal with, people die in all different type of ways. Not everybody has a moment. When I was taking care of Paul's father, we took care of him for a long, long time in our house, and he lost all functions. And he couldn't, he really couldn't do anything for him. We had to do everything. And one day when I was talking to my dad, and telling me, you know the story, my dad said, well, that's really a blessing. And where I was coming from, I couldn't see any blessing whatsoever in the whole situation. But my dad so profoundly said to me, he said, you know what? When a person has a long-term illness, it gives that person a chance. Not everybody has this chance to get right with God. And I will be honest that he got right with God during that duration of time where we would sing hymns and we had moments, many moments together in doctor's office just singing and stiff and things like that. And so in, in his case, that's exactly right. He had time. And when my dad said that, I said, you know what? I never I never saw that. I never saw that. Never saw how he saw it. It's also interesting that the same man said with a long sickness, the same man got saved a little bit under a year. After all, my, all the days of me and my brother sharing Jesus with my father, he was such a stubborn individual. But after a long, long time, but he's the one who has a massive heart attack in his sleep and dies without even having that moment. But, just before that, had a great conversation of him accepting the Lord. You see, God works all things well. I just say, don't wait to the last moment because you don't know. The problem is, your heart your heart. If you, you want to wait and do everything you want, you have a heart problem already. Get right with the Lord. God loves you. A relationship. We need good relationships in our, in our vessels and around us and in us. God is the best relationship you can ever have, but he wants you. He don't want nothing from you. He just wants you. Someone say praise the Lord. You ask, you go out there and find out someone who just accepts you. God is so good. He sees the need. He sees everything that you are and who you are. So if God sees that for you, can you do that for someone else? Think about it. Look what God has done to show you his love. Can you love someone else like that? Who is it in your family? Who is it um, uh, in a friend? Who is it acquaintance? Uh, Who is it that you work with? Who is it that comes on your mind because you actually care for this person, but if this person died today, you would say, I'm not sure they made it. I'm not sure they're going to heaven. They're a nice person. Good doesn't cut it. There's a lot of people in hell that were good people, moralist people. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes from the Father but through me. Jesus is the one that only made it very one way. And that's why we have the answer. I remember where I was. I could have died so many times. God kept me alive. And, and if, if God never kept me alive, I would never have four wonderful boys and a wonderful wife. I'd never, I would never have that. I would have died. And not to mention the times he protected us, because I wasn't exactly a smart teenager. Hello. I know all you were great teenagers and so smart and did everything right and you listened to everybody. I know you were wonderful. I wasn't. I'd done dumb things. So when I deal with youth and they do dumb things, I understand. Okay, you're young. I remember one time going 70 miles an hour through a stop sign with my girlfriend on my motorcycle, just flying through stop signs. Yeah, you witnessed with that. Yeah, just crazy stuff on bikes. I still love bikes. I'm getting my new bike next week, man. I didn't tell you yet. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me switch a little bit here before I close I want you to think about that one I really want you to realize that God God loves you but he just doesn't want to love you he wants you to love you to help you love other people the way he loved you and that's why I'm going to continue for the remainder of this year plus to focus on are you reaching your one you have an opportunity next week or rain preventing the week after, to bring them to you and have a a wonderful day. We're going to just make it a good time to be together. Chances of meeting people and it's important. But what are you doing to care and share the gospel with these people? What are you doing? What is the enemy of your soul doing to distract you from doing the important things? The devil is trying to bring people and situations and circumstances to get you away from what you need to hone in on. What can you learn from the scriptures that will change your life and help you to change other people's lives? If we're going to make a difference, the greater difference we can ever make is the the aspect of eternity. Could you imagine? Think of this with me, please. You're in heaven one day, and you see someone that you shared Christ with, and you know that God had you part of that life. Could you imagine it? Yo, boy! You know, give that heaven handshake, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, that's angel wings. <laughs> So could you imagine, could you imagine seeing the people that you had a part to being there? Could you imagine all of a sudden, I believe this, when you die, I believe you have people meeting you. I do believe it 100%. And there's a couple things I get from scripture where you're going to see your people. Oh, what a day it will be when Jesus, I will see. There's a great plan. It's not over when it's over. It just begins. But we have work Now. As you know, we look around this world, it's not going to get any better, okay? just going to get a little worse because that's what sin does. Sin grows. The Bible calls it yeast. It grows. So you and I need to recognize the importance. Now watch this. So he he says, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, please. So they do not or they will not also come to this place of torment. Look at verse 29. Abraham replied, they have Moses, they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, father, Abraham he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Ha! Huh. Think about that. If someone came back from the dead, I know someone who came back from the dead. Anybody know his name? (laughs) Both of you are right. (laughs) Jesus and Lazarus. Let me tell you something. It's really great to know that Jesus came from the dead, gave us the good news, was here with people, and people saw him, and yet, do people believe with all the evidence, even the secular evidence that's out there? It's funny, but when people want to believe something so bad, they will find any evidence they can, find some evidence, and then say, There's my evidence, while they avoid all of the other evidence all around them. It's amazing how we convince ourselves away from the truth, not allow the truth to speak for itself. They have Moses, they have the prophets, but if, oh, but if someone died and came back from the dead, they would surely repent. This, this individual has had a change of heart. You think if this person came back, he would live differently? That's my point. Why do we have to have tragedy take place before we live differently? Can we not learn from what the scripture says already? Can't we just get every day, get in the word of God, every day get on our knees and just talk to God, build that relationship? Can we learn you know, can we learn ahead of time that it hurts when someone punches you in the stomach and knocks the air out of you? Do you have to be hit in the stomach to knock the air out before you realize how important air is? We don't have to go through that extra pain if we just really push in and say, God, I really want to do it right. The Lord says, go and make disciples. The first thing, discipline yourself and then discipline others so you can lead them to others, to uh, to, to the Lord. Let me just look at verse 31. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Looking at our culture, we could probably say that's true, so true. Today, people are so focused on so many things and don't even give the Lord any room. Lord, behold, you're putting God into school. Lord, behold, you bring God into anything. He, yet, He's the one that created everything, and they just want to kick God out of everything. One day, one day, each person is going to see God. I want you to know if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to start having a burden for those that don't. Don't ridicule them. Don't mock them. Love them where they're at and help them to know there is a better way. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's important. Let's be a voice of warning others. Let me close on two scriptures. They're powerful scriptures, so hold on to your seat. Are you holding on? Here it goes. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes or close you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. I like this part. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers of mine, You did for me. I want you to think about this. This is important. Not only to the family of God, but for those that God brings into your life. The Bible tells us, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things. Someone say things. Yeah. See, God's not against the things. He wants to bless you he wants to make you smile he really does and the things will be given to you as well therefore do not what is that word worry. do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own this is how we live the life this is how we make a difference because destination eternity is for everyone but the one of your friends your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your co-worker? Who is it that you, God has put, you put them on your heart? It's important. First of all, if Jesus is not your Savior, I always want to make sure if Jesus is not your Savior and you're not sure, you died right now, and you're not sure, you go to heaven. Well, we got to make sure that's okay today. You understand? That? Everybody say amen. amen. Yeah. If you die right now and you, you, you have a doubt, you're not sure 100% that heaven's your home, this needs to be taken care of right now. This is the first step because Jesus provided everything for you. Everything. You just have to say, you know what? I've sinned. I've done it my way. But I don't want to do that no more. I surrender. I want to do it God's way. I, I recognize I've sinned before God. But I know that he died for my sins. And he rose on the third day. And because he rose on the third day, he defeated the penalty of sin and death in the grave. And this day, this day, I want to become a child of Almighty God. I want to serve my Lord Jesus for the rest of my days. And if that's you, if that's you, and you say, I want, I want to make Jesus my Savior, I want heaven my home, just raise your hand. Right we are, right we are. Yeah. How, How about? Amen. How about, how about, how about those online? How about those online? You can put it down. How about those online? God wants to do a work in you and through you. I have to do say God, right now, come into my heart and my life. Let's do a work. This is the first step, the first step to give everything, give everything to the Lord. Don't hold back nothing because when you hold back, God can't do things when you hold back because God wants you to give everything to the Lord, everything to the Lord. We're going to do two things in a second here. But first, I want you all to stand to your feet, please. I'm going to have Sister Kim pray with you, okay? Let's just pray right now for a second. Father, we ask right now that you would help us to realize the importance of eternity. We pray right now, God, that you would start to touch and help individuals right now. God, I ask that you would give us the urgency to share with those individuals in our lives the importance of knowing you because there is a destination for eternity when we close our eyes. And we want people to be ready because Jesus, you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through you. And so right now, Lord, I pray that those online and those here, as Lord, they say yes to Jesus, I pray that they would just make that prayer and as they make that prayer, will you change their lives? And now I they get into a church that's preaching the gospel, in Jesus' name, can someone say amen? Amen. amen? amen, amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website, at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.